I feel like what we experienced this morning is just a taste of what we dreamed about a little over two years ago before we, before we left the comfortable church and left everything behind that we were technically good at, if you will. And uh, this morning was an answer to those prayers and to that vision the Lord gave. And I'm so thankful. And I, I'm going to be honest, I love the kids around here with the streamers. Our kid, let me tell you this too. Our kids need to be okay in the presence of God so that when they get older, they don't freak out and want to leave the church because they get scared. And so, uh, so we're so thankful for that. So thankful. Um, I know <laughs> just parents, thanks for letting your kids be kids. They need to be kids. We have the privilege, Brett Wright is our intern uh, this year, and uh, he's been staying with April and I this past month, and he'll be here till probably July 4th, 5th, 6th, somewhere in there, but uh, um, he's an anointed man of God, and, uh, and this is what we believe. He's, I'm just going to tell you straight up, he's 17, but he's anointed, and it doesn't matter who's preaching, you honor the word that's preached, Okay. And I believe he has a word from the Lord for us today, and we're so thankful you're part Amen. of Me what too. the Lord's doing here. Me too. So bless him, Jesus, mm. and uh, I pray that whatever he preaches is directly from your heart, and I pray, God, you use him mightily, and I pray, God, that we leave changed because of the word that's going to come forth from the man of your hour right now, Jesus. So we bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning, church. I think we got a little bit of glimpse of the glory this morning. What do you think? I think that's just a start. I think when we have family like this in a church, the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to move among each and every one of us. Oh, man, it's already messing me up this morning. Jesus, help me. Oh, my. Oh, praise God. Praise God. This morning, I want to talk. Uh, we, we've been doing this inheritance uh, series, and I want to keep working a part of that. So this morning, I'm going to talk about what it means to be a son, and what it means to be a daughter. In the scriptures, when it says son, it's all-inclusive, son and daughter. So if I don't say daughter, please forgive me, ladies. So we're just going to start off with our, uh, with, our, with our verse here that we've been going through. Luke 15, 31 should be up here on the screen. Awesome. Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. And just as a little pretense to that scripture, that is when the prodigal son runs away and squanders his inheritance and he gets his sense back and he comes home and the father welcome him, welcomes him, puts a robe on him and uh, sandals on his feet and a ring on his finger. But his older brother uh, was out in the field and he came and he uh, asked his father, you know, you never even gave me a young goat to celebrate with my friends, yet this man gets a fattened calf. And then the father says, son, he said to him, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. So this morning, I just want to focus on that first word. I just want to focus on son. I've had an amazing opportunity to sit under Michael the past couple weeks, and God has just blessed me. When I, when I travel with my family full time, things get really hectic, and it's a struggle sometimes to find that time with the Lord. Jesus. But the past week and a half, I have felt the Father's love greater than I ever have before because I've had that opportunity to meet with him and enter that holy of holy place and talk with my Jesus face to face 
and hear his voice. And that's what the Father wants for us. The Father is desiring us to crawl up on his lap and say, Dad, I had a bad day. I need you this morning. I need, I need you tonight. I need you to speak love over me. And he is right there. Just like the father running after his son, he is already on the way. James says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And that's, Michael and I talked about it this week. When he draws near to you, he's right in your face, guys. We don't have to ask, and we don't have to beg for him to come, because the moment we do, he's right here. So how do we become a son? Hebrews 2.11 says, for the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Ethan, can you grab me a tissue here, buddy? 2 Corinthians 6, 16 and 18. I will dwell among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Wow. Hebrews 2, 11 plainly states it. The ones who are sanctified become sons and daughters daughters of Christ. And 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18 talks about when we deny ourselves of the worldly pleasures and we get out of that place where we get out of the world and we, when we are finally becoming one with Jesus and we finally become one flesh with Jesus, we have the opportunity to be sanctified. And when we become sanctified, when we deny ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to fill and lead us, that is when we become sons and daughters. When we're filled And when we're led, we can rest in Jesus because it's him living through us and it's not us going through the world alone. And when we're resting, we're sanctified. And when we're sanctified, we're able to become sons and daughters. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? We've had, in the Church of America, it didn't take long when the first Americans came over from Europe for religious freedom we came over, and in the, in the early American writings, we can really see that the, uh, the pilgrims and the Puritans, they really focused on pleasing God. They believed that every action we did either pleased God or displeased him. And with about the second and third generation, we see in the writings that man became his own God and that we thought we were good enough to lead our own lives and to lead our own government. So really, it didn't take long for us to get out of the spirit because when one generation sees the glory and wonders of God, they're changed forever. But when that, second experience, when that second and third generation doesn't experience it for themselves, they aren't, they, aren't, they aren't as willing to go all in because they haven't seen God move. And let me tell you guys, let me, let me put it this way. God doesn't have any grandchildren, okay? He only has sons and daughters. And so we can't piggyback off of our own parents' faith. And we can't, we can't piggyback off of the generations before. So we are... Jesus. So what does it mean for us today in this generation that we are ushering? We are ushering revival back in. Isn't that amazing? We are. We get to be the people, the forerunners of God, bringing that revival here to Louisville. And so what does that mean for us? We've, we've gotten away. So what does it mean to come back and to be sons and daughters and to walk in the garden just like Jesus designed and God designed it to be? Well, let's look at Romans eight fourteen through 17. All those led by God's spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, praise God, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, which literally means Papa, Daddy, you know, that intimate relationship. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, also heirs, 
heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. I love that verse. You know what that tells me? That says, the same and greater works that Jesus did, I get to do. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I want to talk a little bit about what we inherit. That's kind of been the whole encompassing thing of our sermon series these past couple weeks, is what do we get to inherit? The first Friday that we started this series, uh, Pastor Michael talked about we, we inherit the royal status. We inherit the royalty. We get to be called prince and princesses, princes and princesses of the one true king. Meaning we get to know what our dad is thinking. Slaves in the kingdom of God, we don't, they don't understand. They don't get to know what God is talking about. In an earthly kingdom, a slave doesn't get to know what the master is going through his mind. He doesn't understand what the king is about to do. He doesn't understand the ideas going through his head. But when you're a son and you're a daughter, you have that intimate relationship with the father. And so he tells you what's going on. We also inherit hope. That's, that's the one thing that really separates us from the world. Isn't that right, Pastor Michael? We go through the same problems. We go through the same struggles as, the, as people in the world, people in sin. But the one thing we have that they don't is hope. We get to believe for something greater, guys. We have the hope that revival is coming to Louisville and our lives are going to be changed forever. So it's our job to go give them that hope. Amen. And last week we talked about inheriting nations, and that means we inherit our city. We inherit Louisville. And when we inherit the, uh, the city, we inherit the responsibility to usher revival into it. Amen. We are called, we are called to, to bring the fire of God and to bring the people and bring it together as one. Because, a lot, you know, when we, we get to this place where the world says there's so many rules and I'm so separated. And even if I wanted to go to church, it wouldn't even work out. And they've created this gap. And so it's our job as intercessors to say, God, here's your people. People, here's your God. And we bring them together. We get to see glory break out in their lives and in the city. We inherit the kingdom, which I believe means heaven. But just like Jesus, we do not have to wait to show people what heaven is like here on earth. And when we inherit that kingdom, we inherit the same lifestyle as Jesus. And that means we only say what the Father is saying. We only do what the Father is doing. And when we get that new vocabulary, when we get that new lifestyle, we get a new vocabulary. And if we're really saying what God is saying, and all things are possible through God, I don't believe God ever says the word impossible. So I believe that shouldn't be in our English language at all. I, don't, I think impossible should be banned from saying it because, listen, if you got bills that need to be paid, if you got, if you got, you got your house going foreclosed, if you're addicted to porn and drugs and alcohol and there's, it's bleak and you can't see an end to it, let me tell you, there's a God who wants to take that away and cleanse you and help you and come alongside you. Amen. And the best part about this inheritance is we don't have to wait for it. We don't have to wait to inherit the kingdom of God. We don't have to wait until we... When we die and we get to see our master face to face, we don't have to wait to inherit heaven. We get to be the open heaven that the world gets to experience around us. Amen. When we become sons and daughters to God and to the heavenly father, I believe our responsibilities change as well. Just like in any family, let me tell you a little bit about my family. We, we just sold our house, praise God, uh, June 14th at closed. That's a major answer to prayer. 
But when we lived in that house, we, each of the, us three kids have jobs. My, uh, my sisters, both my sisters are here this morning. Taylor from uh, uh, Columbus, Ohio is here with her fiance, Colin. I'm so blessed to see you guys. And my little sister, Baylor, um, who I thought would be excited to see me, but she's more excited to see April. But she, she's here. She's here. And I'm really blessed to have my family here. But anyways, in, in our house, we'd have jobs to do. It would be our jobs. Uh, I think Taylor went back and forth. Taylor and I, we went back and forth in uh, the dishwasher. Uh, most of the times, I would convince her I'd buy her food or I'd buy her something, so she'd do my dishwasher. But anyways, we'd have these jobs. You have to make our beds and take out the laundry or take down the laundry and take out the trash. And I believe that same thing with God's kingdom, with God's family, with God's household, but a little different. I, I believe the Father gives us commands. I know he does that we need to follow, like in Matthew 10, 7 through 8. As you go, announce this, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Freely you receive, freely you should give. Yes. Yes. When we preach that the kingdom of God is here, and when it means, when I, when I say preach, I'm not talking about writing a sermon and, and getting up in front of people. When I say preach, I mean like proclaim. Just go tell people about who you serve. So when we're out in the world and we see people struggling, we get to tell them. We get to tell them that the kingdom of heaven is here. And sometimes, sometimes as a church, we look out and we, we desire that the signs and wonders would come and we need, to, we need miracles to happen. But sometimes we don't realize we've got to get the presence in here first before we have any miracles, before we have any wonders taking place at all. Later on in Matthew, I didn't have this one of my scriptures, forgive me. But it, it, uh, uh, the Lord talks to Peter and he says, Peter, if you truly love me, feed my sheep. And how many were, were you here for Hal Perkins when he was here? Okay, a couple. Um, Hal Perkins is an amazing disciple. I believe he's one of the best disciple makers of our, of our age. And, and Hal talks about the, the, the four different sheep that we need to feed. We need to feed ourselves, amen. So we need, to, we need to get time with the Lord daily. We need to commune with him. We need to hear his voice. And we need to read the Logos word. And then we hear, need to hear the Rhema word. Because, I mean, when we read this, sometimes we don't realize that it still applies today. So we need that extra help from the Holy Spirit to apply it to our lives today. And so that's the first sheep we need to feed is ourselves. And then the second, I believe, is our family. Because the, the church's foundation is family. Amen? And when our families aren't revived, when our families aren't pressed in, how do we expect our churches to be? So we need to feed our family. What I'm not saying preach at them and uh, finger wag at them. I'm talking like... Just loving on them the same way Jesus would love on them. The, the 1 Corinthians 13, guys, love is patient, love is kind. You know, really living what Jesus would live to your family. And then the third is, is your church, is your congregation. How do we expect to go reach the world when our church isn't in unity, when our church isn't in that spirit-filled place? We, we can't reach people. We can't give away what we don't have, Right? So we have to equip our church. We have to unify our church so we can go serve the world in a greater expanse, in a greater capacity. And then that last, that last sheep that we need to feed is, is the world, is the people outside these doors. Because when, we, when Michael and April and Ethan first moved here, um, I was talking with Ethan the other day. And how many needles did you find out there? Dozens, dozens upon dozens. Needles that people would use for drugs. And, and the shopping center was... was run down, the siding looked awful. I mean, really, this, 
I, I could not envision a church plant being here. That's why Michael and April were called to. But it, it, was, it was, I mean, you can't look out there today and imagine what it was like. And, and this next week, we get pre, uh, new repaved uh, parking lots, and we're going to get new roofs. And God is just reviving this area because we are going there for. We are going there for. We are becoming spirit-filled church. Amen? And it's affecting everything around us. And so we're already affecting the world. Isn't that amazing? We're already going out. I'm so proud of my church family. So proud. And then in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Sometimes I think we get a, a misconception of what a disciple means. You know, we, we got this beautiful picture of these 12 guys having this three-year relationship with Jesus, this intimate relationship where Jesus was literally sitting with them. But what Jesus was doing, he was just giving away what he already had. He was just giving away his lifestyle. And, and whether we know it or not, we're also making disciples. You know that? Amen. By the fruit that we bear, we're imparting into somebody else. When I hang around Ethan, if I'm talking like trash, and, and it, for if we do it long enough together, it's going to get imparted into Ethan. But... If I'm the love of God around Ethan, and I'm loving Jesus, and I'm praising God, and I'm loving people around me, it's going to get imparted to Ethan. Amen? So we need to come to the realization that we are planting a seed every single place we go. And, and, and the, most of the time, the soil is ready to receive that seed. So if we don't plant a good one, it's not going to bear good fruit, right? Another thing I think we're responsible for is listening to his voice and obeying we have the Logos Word, like I said earlier. This is the Logos Word. The written word is what Logos means. And Rhema, which is breath and living word of God. It's our job to press into Logos, press into Rhema, and to hear what God is telling us to do, what he is asking us to do. I, I want to tell you a story. I think it was 2016. We were in Nevada, Missouri. And the, uh, we were at a Nazarene church on the Joplin district. And I had just recently became sanctified and spirit-filled, and I had, I had just been wrecked by the Holy Spirit. And I had just been really awakened to what the kingdom of God meant for my life, that I could really have it now instead of later. And, and we had these, uh, it was like a one-day revival, so we had two services, Sunday morning and Sunday night. And after the Sunday evening service, we went out and uh, we had dinner with the associate pastor. And... Uh, you know, us Kansan folk, we have really good Mexican food. And so we know how to eat real good Mexican food. So that you know that's where we were at. And, um, and so we got there. And it was late at night because it was after service. And there wasn't a whole lot of people in there. But behind me and to my left, there were two, uh, two men. And they were dressed in army uniforms. And the Holy Spirit within me said, go pray, go pray over them and bless them in my name. And I was, I mean, I was, just, I was fresh, fresh out of the oven, it seemed like. You know, I was just awakened, and, and I'd heard stories of people going and praying for people, but I'd never lived it out. And, and so I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Here in a Mexican restaurant, why can't it be in a church over someone who's ready to receive it or something, you know? And, and I got scared because uh, I thought I would look like a weirdo, and I, I, I was scared of embarrassing myself, but I didn't come to that realization yet that, when I'm, when I'm living the life of Jesus and Jesus is living through me, I'm the most attractive than I ever have been before. Amen. 
People look at me in a whole new way when they see Jesus shining through me. But I didn't know that yet. I didn't know that yet. And, uh, um, you know, my, my stomach was tying in knots, and it, it was just rough. I wasn't able to enjoy my burrito, and it was just no good, not good news. And, um, and it came to this point where it, I was delaying my obedience to God. And delayed, dis, uh, delayed obedience is disobedience, right? He's speaking a word for us now. He's not expecting you to do it three days later. When he says do something, we got to do it, guys. What if somebody dies tomorrow, but we have a word for them today, but we're too scared to share it? That means we have eternity, their eternity in our hands, guys. What are you going to do with it? And I had, I had delayed obedience, and I disobeyed God. And those guys got up and walked out of the restaurant. I was, I was broken, guys. I was already repenting before we even got out of the restaurant. I was saying, God. I messed up. You told me to go pray for those guys, and I didn't do it. And I don't know what's going to happen. They're in the military, guys. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And praise God. He's faithful, and he knew I'd messed up, but he knew my heart. And one of those guys came walking back in because he needed to go drink. I really don't think he was that parched. I think the Holy Spirit drew him back in. (laughs) And so I got up, and I walked over, and I said, Sir, I just want to thank you so much for your service because... When men and women lay down their lives so we can have this, I want to respect them. I want to honor them. And so I said that to him. And I told him a little bit of what I did and what I, we did as a ministry. And, and then I asked him about what he was doing. And he said, I can tell you, but I'd have to kill you. So I didn't ask anymore. And, and so we began to talk a little bit. And the waiter came back with his drink and everything. And, and I said, dude, this might seem weird, but can I pray for you? I just want to bless you. And he said, yeah. He, sure, sure. You know, he was a little taken aback because people don't realize that uh, Jesus is walking around them every single day. And so we got to bring it to him. And so I don't even remember what I prayed because it wasn't me praying. It was Jesus speaking through me. So I, I don't know what I prayed, but I just remember opening my eyes and see the tears in his. Because when people are touched by the living God, things, things change. And you cannot pray and nothing happened. Something stirs within the person's spirit who you're praying for. And he said, I want to thank you for what you do. I want to thank you for the service that you do for my people who I lay my life down for. I was wrecked, guys. It was, it was amazing. But every, we don't always get that opportunity to, for them to always come walking back in for that to-go drink, guys. So that means we got to be on top of it. we got to be listening to his voice and pressed in. And, and getting at that point where we know it's his voice and nothing else. It's not our own thoughts. The word of God says that every good and perfect thing comes from the Lord. So most of the time, when it's a good or perfect thought, it's not of you. So act on it. It's, it's, it's of heaven. It's, of what, it's what God is speaking. And, you know, I don't, even, I don't get it right every time. I mean, there was, we went to Kroger this last week, and there was a girl in a knee brace, and I didn't, I didn't go pray for her, even though I know I should have. I mess up. But we have to be quick to repent of it. I don't want something that I didn't do to separate me from God, because the only thing that separates us from God is sin and disobedience. And I don't ever want to be separated from him, because I'm... Guys, I'm so, I'm so deep. I'm so under the water. I, my feet can't even touch the bottom. I need his breath. I need him to breathe into me so I can stay alive. So I don't want to be separated from that. And, and when we do, when we are obedient to his voice, it's good stewardship. And when we're good stewards of what he's given to us, he will bless us with more. 
You understand? If, I, if I'm blessed with a $10,000 check today and I give most of it away because I want to serve and I want to be a minister and I want to be the life of Jesus, he's going to bless me with more because he knows I've been faithful already. And it's the same thing when people walk in front of you, walk in front of you and they're sick or they're in a wheelchair. And you know, it might look scary, but it will be, change their lives forever. And it, most likely it'll change yours too. Most of the time when I pray for people, I'm, I'm, I'm probably even more messed up than they are. They probably think, what's wrong with this blubbering kid? He's snotting all over me and praying for me. <laughs> they probably don't even want a blessing from me anymore because it's just so gross. But that's okay. That's okay. So we're responsible to listen to his voice and obey. Leviticus 6, 12 through 13, and I know Leviticus, ugh, the law, gross. <sighs> Let's just get through it. The fire on the altar is to be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest will burn wood on the fire. He's to arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat portions from the fellowship offerings on it. Verse 13, fire must be kept burning on the altar continually. It must not go out. And earlier in that passage, it talks about the, uh, the, the high Levitical priest sweeping the ashes off so it doesn't snuff out the fire. And the ashes... The ashes, if you want to use it as a metaphor for our lives, the ashes are our old flesh, our old life. And we don't want to keep those on the altars of our heart because it will snuff out our fire. So we need to say, God, take our ashes, throw them away so I can't go back to that old self. First Peter 2.9 talks about, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood for his possession so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter 2.9 means that he's saying, today, we are the priests of today. We are the holy Levitical line of today. And so it's our job to keep the fire burning, right? Yes. It's our job to add fuel and to add oxygen to the fire daily, right? And the fuel, I believe, is the word of God, the Logos. And the oxygen, I believe, is, is the rhema word, is the praying, is the talking with God daily. Because if you, if you have a, a bowl over a fire, but you still have the fuel, and you have no oxygen, it'll go out. If you have oxygen and you light some gas on fire, but you don't have any lasting fuel, it'll burn out. So we need to have that daily time where we're meeting with God. And also, I believe... You can't have a log separated from the fire because it will burn out by itself. When you have all these logs together, when you, have, when you have all your fuel and all your oxygen in one place, the fire grows and it burns hotter and brighter than it ever has before. So as a church, we cannot be separated from one another, correct? We can't be single logs isolated from each other because our fire will go out. Go out, and and when and when we are isolated, the kingdom. I mean, uh, the Satan will have a playground in our mind, and he will speak lies that we are not good enough. But when we are with each other and we're unified as a church and we're walking in, in real community and fellowship, we have the opportunity to tell each other, you know, you are so loved by the King. I love you so much. I'm so blessed to see you on this Sunday morning, and we can love on each other and we can light each other's fires brighter. But we can't do it separate from each other. We're called to be the body, not the not the single fingers and toes over there. That doesn't work out. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be one together. We're suppo- some of us are supposed to be the hands, the feet. God's the head. But a body doesn't work unless you have it all together. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't take a lot to believe in. If you don't have your legs, you can't walk. If you don't have your hands, you can't, you, you can't 
pick up anything, you can't touch anything. But when we're all together, we can operate as a functional body, yes. touching people every single place we go. I'm so blessed that I can call myself a son of God. There's a thing, there's one thing why, there's a couple, why I think we don't see as many people living out the sonship and and, and being a daughter and being a son of Christ and really walking in that inheritance that the Lord has given us. In Genesis, When the Lord told Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree, the serpent immediately came to Eve after they were done with their conversation. The serpent came to Eve and he said, did God really tell you not to eat of that tree? Not to eat of the the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And so the moment God speaks, the enemy is already trying to snatch it away from us. Because when we really believe who God says we are, and what we walk in and the power that we have, we are a threat to Satan's kingdom, right? We said it earlier. If the light is here, the darkness has got to flee. And so when we're carrying the light of Christ, when we're carrying the light of God, the enemy has got to flee. His kingdom is threatened. And when we really buy into the fact that we are loved and that we are prince and princes, princesses of, of God, real transformation begins, begins to work in our life. And when that transformation begins in our life, when we get to that sanctified place, when we begin to get led and filled by the Spirit, like I said earlier, we become sons. And we get that inheritance. And we get to go, therefore, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit of all nations. That's God saying, go take back what is rightfully mine, what is rightfully ours. And here's, here's... New Testament, if you, if you need both Old Covenant and New Covenant, here's the New Covenant. When, when Jesus was baptized by, by, uh, by John in Matthew uh, 3, I don't want to mess this up. Your word is really good, God. I don't want to speak for it. When Jesus got baptized, we'll start in, if you want to turn there, it's Matthew 3, verse 16. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And this is the part I really want to focus on. It's verse 17. And there came a voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. When we get to come come up out of that water where we're a new creation and the old self is gone, God is saying... This is my kid, in whom I am well pleased, whom I am so proud of. And then we go on a little bit to uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse verse 3. I will start in verse 2. This is the temptation of Jesus in the desert. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter came and approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So earlier... In the book of Matthew, God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Not even three verses later, the enemy is already saying, are you really the son of God? He's a hungry lion prowling around the camp. 
And when we get that word and we go into the mission field and we leave our camp, the lion is ready to pounce on us, guys. So we really need to believe. We need to believe, if God, is God's word true? Do we believe it, church? Are we really sons? Do we really get to be sons and daughters? If we aren't buying into it, the enemy is having a heyday with us. Think about it, guys. If we aren't really living out the truth of God, who are we living for? If we aren't living for God, who are we living for? We're living for the world. Thank you for your word, Jesus. And what I talked about today, our inheritance is much greater than that little bullet list that I gave you. Abundant life, gifts of the spirit, new personalities, you name it, it goes on and on. When we get to become sons and daughters, and when we pray on earth as it is in heaven, that means everything that's in heaven is at our disposal. The praises of the angel around the throne can be put in our mouths. The lion and the lamb laying beside each other can be a beautiful picture of the world being unified as one when we become sons and daughters, right? There's no healing, I mean, there's no sickness and pain in heaven. So when we get to be open heavens, why is there, why is there pain and sickness around us? When we have heaven at our disposal, why isn't this world changed? Because we have an identity crisis. Because we don't know whose we are and who we are in him. So that's why the Lord gave me this message. You are chosen. You are loved. You are royalty. You are son and you are daughter. Whom I am well pleased. And the calling I have for your life is greater than anything you could possibly ever do in this world. And know that wherever you go, I am always with you. And the moment you speak my voice, I am there. I am there with love, with truth, with peace, with joy. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this church, God. You know, guys, when he called us to go into the world... I'm just so blown away that we're already doing it. I'm just so thankful for it. I mean, we have Jeff Jeff in Tanzania right now. That's a pretty awesome, amen. River City is in Tanzania right now. Isn't that awesome? We have have my family. We have the rights going out. And listen, you don't have to be called to the mission field. You don't have to be called to be evangelist sharing. When we say go out, we literally mean go out of these doors. We aren't saying leave the city, leave the state. Because listen... The city that's around us is dying and is hurting. And and the revival that we have in our hands is needed. And so when the Lord says, go therefore, he really means it. And he means that my sons and daughters, go change this world. Go take back our kingdom. Because when when it's his kingdom, we become sons and daughters, it becomes ours as well. Our kingdom come, our will be done. Isn't that amazing? Who wants, to be, who wants to be a son? Who wants to be a daughter this morning? I do. Let's, let's stand. Let's stand and pray. I don't only want to pray. I want to activate something within you. I want to impart.
this royal status within you. So if you want to receive this, guys, just, just put out your hands. Father, I don't want to speak anything that you aren't saying.